back. Um, we took a little summer break. Uh, we have returned from hiatus. We are not dead. However, there is only two of the three of us today. It is uh, me, Matthew, and only me and Matthew today. Uh, we have our first real interview, our first real guest ever today. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, we're going to you know, let you know what we've been up to, what we've been doing, why you haven't heard from us since May. Season 2 premiere. Uh, let's boogie. But hey, enough of my yakking. What do you say? Let's boogie. Let's boogie! Let's boogie. If you have crack, let's boogie. <laughs> no one is going into your no. asshole. I, no, well, I, I wouldn't let him without the crack. If you're just joining us for the first time, be sure to tune, be sure to stay tuned after uh, the interview. We do have some a couple segments that we usually do uh, that we will also be doing again. So, yeah, we've been gone for a while. Uh, summer hiatus was much needed, um, just to basically recharge. Um, I was a little burnt out from film school semester and doing the podcast, and I was just like, you know, we don't really need to do this. So, but then. Besides me, both Chris and Bigelow have been busy themselves. So, yeah, uh, Chris isn't here, but I mean, he's he's back in Omaha and he's getting ready to train to learn how to be a firefighter, um, which was kind of out of left field. But we support we support everything that our friends do, and um, but he'll be he'll be back soon once we're back to regular scheduled programming. Uh, this has been. Quite the summer for me, I think. Uh, it's probably been my favorite summer in quite a while. I mean, the summer started off literally the week after finals. I got fired from my job. Uh, that seems like forever ago. Good Lord. But, um, yeah, and then a couple weeks after, went out to Denver to see this kid. And we uh, did some, some mountain stuff. And You could uh, say we were mountain men. We were mountain men, even though living near mountains is not a personality trait. It's not. But, um, and then I, you know, and also I also got to see, uh, got to check something off my bucket list. Saw the Killers live in concert up in Milwaukee. That was fun. Got to see Liverpool play in Notre, at Notre Dame Stadium, back-to-back summers of cool college football venues and me getting to see Liverpool. And, um, I've, you know, I've got a new job. I'm going to be dipping my toes into a little bit of sports journalism in the fall, covering uh, high school basketball and writing about it. You can't keep me away from basketball for some reason, but uh, things are good. Things are looking up. I'm back to bachelor pad living, bachelor pad lifestyle, but things are good, and we're going to get this thing rolling again, and I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I think that a lot of people don't realize about This is very pompous of me to say, but I don't think a lot of people realize being a part of the entertainment industry, even though we're not, um, we we try to entertain and I don't think a lot of people realize how mentally, how much of a toll that can take on you because you have to be on your A-game whenever you're doing something. And the combination of the podcast and uh, film school just really wore me out. You know, I've just gained so much fame and attention from all of the hard work I've been putting in. 
people have been asking for my autographs. They're like, Matt, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know, dude. You just got to keep living, man. All I've been doing is watching movies pretty much. So we'll, uh, we'll of course talk about that later. Uh, we've got one specific movie that we're gonna chat chat about after the interview. We talked about it in our interview, but uh, probably my favorite movie I've seen this summer. I uh, don't know, Matt. Would you agree that it's your? It's your my favorite, favorite movie of the year. Favorite of the year. But we'll talk about that later. A little teaser. Teaser. Yeah. But anyways, Chris or er, Bigelow wanted to have Chris on because he wanted to. Ask him some journalism questions, considering he's going into some uh, his journalism job. And I know who Chris is. You said Chris. They think you mean Smith. So our interview. I'm sorry to interrupt. Got him a dick. Our interview is with Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald. I met Chris during my time working with the Nebraska men's basketball program. Uh, Chris is barely older than we are. But he definitely much more successful, much more successful, much more better dressed. Um, he covers Nebraska football and Nebraska basketball. He's got his own podcast. He's a big movie guy. He's a Kansas Cityan. Well, he's from Shawnee Mission, but he's a Kansas City boy. And um, we, I thought that he would be the perfect first guest for us because if we didn't already have a third co-host named Chris, I think he would fit in pretty well. We're just going to lead right into that. Chris Eddy, talk to the people. Oh, oh, oh Jesus. What? That's how you're starting? That's the first thing you let people see? He's a good dude that I met through my days as a basketball manager. Covers Nebraska basketball and Nebraska football for the Omaha World Herald. He has his own podcast titled The Clickbait Podcast, where him and his buddies talk about some pop culture jazz. You can find it on all the same platforms we're on. And he's a great follow on Twitter. That gentleman is Chris Hetty. Chris Hetty, welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, like, have you guys seen... um that video of John Stewart when he goes on Crossfire. I have. I don't. Know I'm uncultured. Has, sorry. But... Oh no. <laughs> so there's this video. Man, you're making me feel old already. There's this video, right, of John Stewart. He went on this show called Crossfire that was on CNN. Tucker Carlson was on it, right? Yep. And he basically yelled at them about how stupid of a show it was, and then it got canceled. So my plan was to try and do a similar thing here, but then. But then you were just super nice to me, and now I don't know if I have the guts to really do it. So this is us coming back from a two-month break. So people thought we were canceled already to begin with, so we kind of did your job for you. But So I wanted, to ha- I wanted to bring Chris on the show because I think that if we didn't already have a third co-host named Chris, that this Chris <laughs> would be our third co-host because he gets he, him. He's very similar with Matt and I. He's a movie guy. He's a sports guy. He's just about an everything guy. You dress better than the two of us. I'll tell you that. Um, Hand me downs for my are, brother. Are, but are you beefing with the Hawaiian shirt, gym short, flip flop combo? Because I know you're not beefing with yeah. me on that right now. Uh, I I was beefing with it in high school. I'm still beefing oh, with okay. it now. So <laughs> while Matt finishes his club crackers, I'll um, I'll chat I'll chat with Chris, and then Matt will. Pop back in I'll once chime he's in whenever finished I feel his, like his meal of champions. <laughs> so, what I wanted to talk to you about, Chris, you know, you're you're the pride of Shawnee Mission, Kansas. You're <laughs> um, 
you're a Chiefs fan and a Royals fan like myself. You're a John Mulaney enthusiast, movie guy. So as someone who I've always wanted to doubt to get into the world of sports journalism, and obviously you have a firsthand knowledge of it. I'm going to be diving into I'm dipping my toes in the shallow end in the fall yeah. here. But um, so I know there are a lot of people out there, like a lot of dudes in college who think that I can I like sports. I can be a sports journalist. <laughs> and it's that and it's that easy. I wanted to I wanted to give I wanted to get your thoughts on like what it takes to be a sports journalist in this day and age. That's a good question. Um, you kind of hit the beginning of it a little bit. I mean, I think the thing that I always tell people is that it's not hard to have an opinion about whatever's going on in the NBA or have an opinion about Baker Mayfield or know how to yell about LeBron James. <laughs> like anybody can do that. Yeah. Anybody can do that, but not everybody can report and not everybody knows what it means to like how to write and what a good story is. And so that's where I think the cream kind of rises to the top where, I mean, going to journalism school, there were definitely people and being, you know, involved in the, in the daily Nebraska. And I was a sports editor there and probably once a week, you know, we, so we have, we have a budget meeting every single day where we go over, um, kind of what's going to go on throughout the the day and what's going to go in the paper the next day. And then actually we have a, a weekly budget meeting and in the weekly budget meeting, it's just the sports section and you know, anybody can come and you know, if you want to be a new writer, you can come and pick up a story here, there or whatever. And there was always one person, uh, usually like once or twice a semester that would come in and they were new and they wanted to get into sports journalism. And we'd be going through like, you know, day to day, what was going to be in the paper that day. And he'd be like, okay, there's a men's basketball game on, on Tuesday. Um, who wants to take the gamer? And this new person would be like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. And it was like, well, that's not – we have beat reporters who do this, like people who've done this before. Um, but that's kind of what people now think is they can just kind of walk in and be like, oh, well, I know how to write a, a game story for the men's basketball team. Like, I'll just do it. So um, there is a process, and I think it just – you know, for people that want to get into sports journalism, I usually tell them to try and be more interested in the journalism part of it than the sports part of it, because that's, that's what's going to get you an actual job. Because again, like being able to yell about Steph Curry and Kevin Durant isn't, isn't interesting. Cause like anybody can do that. That just gets you a show at 11 AM on ESPN. That's all, that's all <laughs> that gets you. That just gets you a show at 11 AM on ESPN weekdays. But um, but but you have to have very very bad opinions about that. <laughs> that too. Like you can't have very thought out opinions if you want to show like that. I have a follow up. Do you think Barstool Sports has contributed to that sense of like people thinking they can write because some of their writers aren't as experienced as like you would think, but they're so successful. Barstool's weird, man. It's um, I think they introduced the idea of like having giant personalities means that you can have so like they're they're like bombastic and weird personalities have created like a great podcast network um but their website is kind of trash and (laughs) i agree kind of is an understatement to be honest (laughs) and and so i think but i think that there are certain aspects of barstool that like clearly barstool does extremely well so they're doing something right they're kind of tapping into i think you know people who kind of i don't know 
want to go to like I don't know the way I've always thought about it and I don't I was in a fraternity so I don't mean this like super derogatory derogatory but it's almost like going to a frat party and like screaming about what's in the sports world like that's the way barstool runs and so i think in some ways it's made people think like oh i can do this um because like you know i've had a couple beers and had an opinion before about something um (laughs) but like the vast majority of the journalism world if you have like barstool on your resume like that ain't gonna cut it like that's not really what people want even though they kind of make money which like you know is a good and a bad thing because we should be open to different ideas, but there are also some ideas that are toxic and stupid that you shouldn't like associate yourself with. Um, it's a good point though. Like I think, I don't think it's necessarily helped further like sports journalism by any means, but it's basically found a, a niche market that I think works for, for those people. Yeah, man. The Like, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, you know, like I, I've, I've written papers about it in high school and journalism, but you know, it, it, not journalism, high school and college, but like this, like journalism and news and all the reporting stuff, it changes every day. It's evolving so damn much. And just like, it's so, it's just vast. You know, there's the bar stool type of crowd. Like you're talking about there's, there's like even just on a Nebraska level, there's run the damn ball guy who will only read certain writers you work with and despises other writers you work with. And it's just like, it's, it's just vast. It's ever so it's spreading. Um, so I wanted to, uh, what was my follow up to this? My follow up to this was going to be, uh, if you had any words of encouragement for someone like me, who's gonna like, it's not a big, not a big th- writing deal, not a big, like, you know, I'm not making all the money in the world, but I'm just doing something to, like, dip my toes in the shallow end. What would your piece of advice be? My piece of advice would be, um, even though what you're doing isn't, like, you're not writing for the New York Times, but I think if you treat your assignments like you are, then that's going to go a long way. And, and always... I think people that are writing in any in any capacity trying like treating every single assignment you have really seriously. I mean there was there was one assignment I had um when I was an intern at the the Lincoln paper um and I had to go listen to this speech and the speech was really boring and I didn't really talk to anybody and I left and it was, you know, a long shift and Nothing happened that day, and I was super busy, and I wrote this story that wasn't, I mean, it wasn't any good. It really wasn't. And so I filed it, went home, and I came back to to work the next day, and um, the editor that was in charge of me came up to me afterward. It came up to me that morning and pulled up a chair and was like, hey, listen, um, you know, I know that you're going to be looking for other internships here pretty soon, and you're going to be trying to, you know, do more things, and I just really hope that the people that are, you know, hoping to hire you as a new intern don't read that story. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> yikes. Like, that's, and, and, like, it's a good point. Like, you know, don't like, kind of blow anything off. Um, for me, like, I know you'll be doing high school stuff, and I think that um, some of the best stories are in high school. So I, I, I don't know, like, exactly what your assignments will necessarily be. I don't but, necessarily either, to be honest. Yeah. Mostly going to be, like, think, mostly going to be, like, player profile stuff and, like, yeah, the occasional, that's, then that's, like... Then that's perfect. Game yeah. of the week, like, stuff like that. Like, nothing. If you're 
if you're doing player profiles, like you're, I mean, here's the thing. You are, you are a basketball manager. You know how interesting these kids are and you know where they come from and you know what they've had to do to even get on like a varsity basketball team or like what they've had to do in the summers or, you know, where they come from. And so I think the thing that people really want to read about, um, is like, what's their life like, you know, cause no one, I mean, everyone assumes, oh, they're probably good at basketball and how they got good at basketball, like, or football, like you can kind of figure out, like they probably are talented and they probably worked pretty hard and got a break here or there, but you don't know exactly what they've done in their life to get to that point, you know, like what they've had to go through or kind of what things that they struggle with or, you know, that people can relate to. So that's kind of something I've always tried to do with sports or any, any reporting I've done is try and try and find like the one thing that everyone can connect to or the one thing that people would find really interesting about this person and kind of write, write the story based on that. I mean, you even, you even made a story on manager basketball sound fun. So I trust, I trust what you said. I did write a story about <laughs> you managers. did. I forgot about that. So yeah, no. And, and it's not like that. And I still laugh because like literally, so I remember when Lee came in and introduced you, we just shook hands and like we met and then literally the second time we met, <laughs> The second time I met you, I told you, I think we're going to get along. And I also told you, you can write a story about Nebraska Creighton manager basketball in December if you run out of ideas. <laughs> and you actually followed through on it. And it was actually pretty funny. I had a lot of people like say that that was really good and that they really enjoyed it. Thank you. And, well, you- here, and here was the thing. like it was, It's a good idea because I... I was really new on the beat and I was trying to find stories anyway. And so that was one of the first stories I wrote down. Like, you know what? This is interesting because, you know, not a lot of people know about this. And if they do know about it, it's only because they're involved in it. And what I wanted to write, the, the other part of me too was like, this is, an, this is a story that no one has written yet. And even though everybody knows about it, it's still like everyone, quote unquote, you know, internally in the in the Nebraska basketball program, the reporters, like the manager, like everybody knew about it, quote unquote, but like the mass population didn't. And I, I kind of took an angle of, you know, the Nebraska great managers don't get along. They don't like each other. <laughs> the the and rivalry's like, deep. The rivalry it, it runs deep. And, and you guys play for a little tykes hoop, which is just <laughs> like I had to write about that. Like that's so good. A trophy game. And so like trophy game and so, exactly <laughs> and so that's why i kind of take took it as an angle of like okay if you really want to understand the nebraska creighton rivalry like you have to go like even the managers don't like each other like that <laughs> that's where i think it's so interesting and so that i'm 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 glad that you gave me that idea because that was one of my favorite things i actually wrote last year so i i kind of have to give credit to you for that yeah and that was gonna that was gonna lead into my next question i know you know, your your DN days, your Land of Ten days, rest in peace, your um, your World Herald days, even though you've only been there a couple of years, I was going to ask you what your, what your favorite story you've written was. I think I know what it is, but I, I, I want to know what your favorite, you can name a couple if you'd like, but like, what are, what's your favorite story you've written in your days? That's a good question. Um, there are a couple that come to mind. I mean, I think the one that I've, I think the one that I've written more recently that was my favorite. I wrote the story about this golfer named Nora Ahmed, who 
Uh, she's the first athlete in Nebraska sports history to compete while wearing a hijab. She's a golfer. Yeah. And um, I wrote, I just got an assignment from my editor that was like, hey, you know what, we, we should probably write about this girl. Um, you know, she's a freshman, she's new, like I wonder what, what her life is like. And um, as a white dude from Kansas, like I, I wanted to, I, I was, I didn't, I don't know what her world is like. I, I don't know what it's like to be even like a female golfer. Like, I feel like there are things that come with that. And then to be like a Muslim in, in one America, two in Nebraska and three on the golf course. Like that was just a lot of things that were interesting to me and four to like be, you know, support your faith wearing a hijab and, that, and like nobody does that like even athletes around the world like she's one of a few that have even done it we we're not even sure we're pretty sure she's she's the first female golfer in co collegiate history to to compete wearing a hijab and so that was i think that story stuck with me because i just didn't know anything about her world or what it was like to be her and so i was really cognizant of like i didn't want to just show up to that story and like only ask her about her hijab because I didn't want that to be offensive. And then also just cause that, just cause she wears it doesn't mean that that's the only thing that defines her. And like, it was just, I, I, I had this high school teacher, um, who, who was Muslim and he was really proud of it. And he, he talked to us about it a lot. And so I sent him a message and I was like, Hey, like, I don't know the, the meaning of wearing a hijab and I don't know like why some some Muslims do and some Muslims don't. Can you just kind of break it down for me? Um, and I just, I learned so much through that. And I ended up coming away from that story, respecting her so much for kind of what she's gone through and who she is and what she's done. Um, and, and like, I haven't, I love golf and I've not written a golf story before. So like, that was kind of nice. Um, so that one stands out. Um, I'll never forget the Maurice Washington story um, going down to Texas and interviewing him. Uh, you know, we, we got to Dallas. We had an interview set up. He didn't show up. We didn't know where he was. We didn't know where he lived. Um, the NCAA tournament was in Omaha and the photographer that I was with, um, had like just had a baby and was dead set on coming back to Omaha as quickly as possible. Um, and so he wanted to leave and I was like, we're already here and we, and this, this kid is going to be really good and he's got an interesting story. We need to stay. And, um, so I sent him a text right before I, we went to bed at like 11, um, you know, Hey, we are leaving tomorrow at some point, but we'd love to still talk to you. And, uh, so the next morning I wake up and I send him a text again as we're like packing up and he sends me a text that he's homesick. And so, Moving over to his house, we found this, you know, he was living with a pastor in this gated community. And, um, you know, with those stories with high school athletes, I usually began the interview with, you know, what, what was your senior year like? Because generally, a lot of these kids, their senior year was incredible. Like, they had a really good senior season. They committed to the school with their dreams. Like, they're about to go to college and play college football. Like, everything is great. Um, but I asked Maurice, you know, hey, what's, um, what was your senior year like? And he said, this has been the worst year of my life. And it was like, okay, well, this is where we're going to go then. Like, this is, I mean, it's just kind of how it started. So, so I'll never forget that trip um, and that story. Um, what, what was your guess going to be? I, my guess was either going to be like the, 
the season summary from this past basketball season or mm. or your uh your story about Hoiberg's roots which I thought was mm. very very good and thank you and even though I I've kind of got you know I'm 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 cool with the Hoiberg family I um, <laughs> yeah. even yeah. even though I I I you know, I you, I still learned some. I still learned something from re- from reading that. And um, yeah, that that one was fun because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't. I mean, there are there are there were points in reporting that story where I had to just basically like take a walk because I was like, this is so interesting. Like this oh, yeah. is so this is so big. Like this is so because basically what that story did was it basically took Fred Hoiberg from Iowa State and made him a Nebraskan, and that's a risk because like his name is so tied to that university. He went there, he coached there. Like he's a legend there, Yeah. but it was kind of writing the story of like, yeah, but he's not really yours. Um, it's so like, that was it, interesting. I mean, yeah, it's, it's literally that story was basically like, yeah, like you think Fred Hoiberg, you think cyclone basketball, you think AMS, Iowa, you think ISU, but if you mm-hmm. look a little deeper, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of scarlet and cream in that family right. tree. And right. a lot of this, you know, and like as someone who's grown up around like very, you know, I've, I've, the crazy thing, you know, growing up, I've, I've grown up surrounded by two groups of people that aren't Nebraska fans. Well, three technically, but there's only two I want to talk about. And they're Kansas basketball fans and Iowa State basketball fans. They're mm-hmm. very, very prominent in Omaha. And the Iowa State basketball people that I grew up around worshipped the ground Fred Hoiberg walked on. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And when those rumors came out that he was coming to Nebraska, they're just like, I could see it, but I doubt it. (laughs) And I I was just, you know, like, I had my inklings, and you had yours as well. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's crazy. It's really, you know. I mean, I was at practice, I think I texted you this, I was at practice the other day, and, like, Doc Sadler is running a defensive drill, and Fred Hoiberg is the one shooting the ball to like end the drill, and I was like, "What is what is going on? This is so weird. Like what, it's still so weird." What so alter dark. what alternate universe of Nebraska basketball have I fallen into? Seriously, <laughs> because seriously. because what what year did you graduate from UNL? Uh, twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Oh yeah, you're hardly older than me so you had all you had all miles years but like growing i mean me you know growing up here like like doc nebraska teams are what i grew up with like mm-hmm. go go into the devaney center to what to be like oh well first team to break 50 wins and <laughs> it was just you know this the names from those doc teams are like the names of like of like my childhood you know the mm-hmm. the jeters the volanders the like all the Tony McRae, Andre Almeida. That's a late one, but like those, na- those yeah. are just the ones that stick with me, man. And just the fact that what whoever flipped the switch that Doc is back, and mm-hmm. Fred Hoiberg is the head coach. <laughs> it's it's just, just so. It was one of those things where it was kind of for for since January, the Nebraska basketball beat has been probably the most interesting beat in college sports. Because it went from they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they're going to win a game, it's going to be historic, it's going to be great, to all right, Tim is probably going to get fired, to all right, well, now they're winning in the Big Ten tournament, and this is weird, 
to, all right, well, he's not fired yet, and they're going to let him coach in the NIT, to, okay, he's fired. We're hearing Fred Hoiberg, but that seems crazy. Oh, okay, so it is going to be Fred. And he's going to hire who? And he's going to hire Doc? No, that's, that's <laughs> weird. It was just like things just kept happening where it was like, no, this isn't, that's not true. It was, it was every day. Every day something new, like, it seemed like something new was popping up and people didn't want to believe it. And almost all of it came true. Yeah. And it's just, I can only imagine what, I mean, just what a two years it's been for your department. Seriously. <laughs> for your, for your, for the sports department at the World Herald, God bless all of you. For the two, for the two years that you guys have had, just, I mean, it's just, it's absolute, it's absolute craziness to me. So we're going to cycle away from, from Nebraska sports and we're going to go back to, uh, your roots sports wise so we both you know we've grown up we've both grown up as, as chiefs fans mm-hmm. and so i wanted to, i wanted to ask you like i mean how do i deal Matt, you, how do i cope well like, oh well yeah i mean that's the first question <laughs> that you we have to ask like how how have you done this <laughs> how have you how have you survived Damon Heward and Brody Croyle <laughs> and Matt and Matt Castle and Tyler and, oh boy yeah the list the list just goes on and on and Matt Matt are you back I'm back but I don't really know if I can contribute because I have the most disappointing sports franchise as my team which is the Detroit Matt, Lions yeah oh yeah you've got nothing to provide here man um you're who the Chiefs fans think like, oh well, thank God we're not them. But well, well, but honestly, maybe I can give you some advice to cope because I have to cope after every single game because in some way I'm disappointed with any type of play in the game uh, afterwards, and we haven't won a playoff game in since the '90s. So, well, here's well, the thing. So, so my general thought is. I just want them to be over 500. Okay. So if they, because if they're over 500, there's a good chance that they're going to make the playoffs. If the Chiefs make the playoffs, it does not matter to me at all what happens after that because they have made the playoffs. That's the only, everything after that is just like icing on the cake. Like, and nothing, it's fine. Total, like, Chiefs lost in a horrible fashion, could have made the Super Bowl last year, and I was upset. But then I was like, you know what? I remember the two and fourteen seasons, and oh, I remember yeah. Brock Heward, and I remember <laughs> like Trent Green getting a concussion. Like I remember all these things. Where so I was like, you know what, just enjoy this. And so now here's the problem: is like I've accepted that Patrick Mahomes was made to play the quarterback by Zeus and all the gods, <laughs> and he's been sent to us to save us from all of the pain. And so the thing that I struggle with now is, like, just keeping him, like, locked in a bubble-wrapped room and, like, fed well, but also not getting my hopes up, but also getting my hopes way too high up. Like, now I'm in a weird spot where make the playoffs, but also win the Super Bowl nine years in a row because we have the best player to ever play the game of football. Like, it's just a weird spot to be No, my, my dad, you know, the the source of my Chiefs fandom, his dad was a Chiefs fan, you know, all, the whole nine. He's just, I, every time I want to, like, I last week when I was at home, I was like, Dad, you do realize, like, 
our two quarterbacks right now are Adrian Martinez and Patrick Mahomes. It could be much worse. And he yeah. and he looked at me and said, "I know it has been. It has it ha- it has been worse." <laughs> and and he's like and he and he said something similar to you along the lines of like how do we how do we get Mahomes, you know, Brady protection? He said, "How do he's like how do we get Patrick Mahomes Brady level protection?" But like, how do I cope? I mean, it's just I mean, it's I'm a third generation Chiefs fan who's done nothing but suffer. We don't like we've just always like it's just been almost eternal pessimism with the Chiefs well, up until here, last year. <laughs> with the Royals, if they win a World Series once every forty years, that's fine. That's all I need. <laughs> they're they're no use to me right now at all. Like not like be horrible, that's totally fine. Bubba Starling, love it. Now it's like now, now it's the Chiefs' turn, but if it takes them 15 more years, that's fine as long as Patrick Mahomes is our is our quarterback. So you grew up, you grew up Chiefs, Royals, and KU basketball, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So this will be this will be my last. What's your favorite or what's your best question? So what what would you say is the your favorite your favorite Chiefs, Royals, or KU basketball moment? I'll give you two from the Royals, and I'll give you one from from KU. So, the wild card game that the Royals beat the A's. Were you in attendance? So I was in school, and I got a text from my in our in our family group chat. My dad texts into the group chat and is like, "Hey, I got tickets to the game this Saturday or whatever day it was." And me and my brother were like, awesome, like, we're going to be there. Oh, it was like a Thursday, I think. It was like a Thursday night. Um, and we were like, great, we're going to be there. This is awesome. Well, my dad only bought two tickets. <laughs> and my dad lives in Kansas City, and my brother was in Kansas City. And they decided, for, they forgot that I had wanted to go. So they had planned, we're going to go, um... And then they were texting about something else and mentioned like, oh, well, we can't do that because Thursday night me and Daniel are going to the to the wildcard game. And I was like, wait a second. Like, I thought I was going too. And we had this moment of like, oh, crap, there's only two tickets. So I convinced my dad to give me the, his ticket. And then the night before the game, I felt so horrible being just like taking his ticket. Because he's been a Royals fan way longer than I have. He lives in Kansas City. I'd have to drive down. And so I was like, you know what? You two go. They'll probably lose. Like, <laughs> I'll go next time. So Thursday night, I'm watching the game. And I have a 7 p.m. class. I think first pitch was like 6. And I had a 7 p.m. class across campus. I'm watching the game. I walk through campus. It's raining. And I get to my class, sit down. Um, I'm dripping wet pull up my laptop i just start watching a stream and i watch this great game and the royals end up winning and i walked back from class and i was like i will never ever ever take the moral high ground in terms of taking a ticket that i want in my like i'll never do that again i will always 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 take the ticket so that's one um two when they won the world series i was editor-in-chief of this of the daily nebraskan and it was a print night, so I think that must have meant it was a Sunday, maybe. Yeah, it was a Sunday. And uh, so 
a print, so we only we published twice, and uh, that meant we had to copy edit pages, and we had to get everything sent to the printers by midnight, and we had to do all these things. So we were kind of further along in the process than usual, and I was not productive all night because I was just watching the World Series game on this like little TV that we had in the newsroom. And when it became pretty clear that the Royals were going to win, um, I went and talked to our copy editor, and I was like, hey, like, can you handle things for like 45 minutes? And she was like, yeah, it's fine. And I was like, okay, cause I'm, I'm leaving. Um, cause I was like, I'm not going to watch the world's, I'm not going to watch the Royals win the world series in the DN. Like I'm going to go drink a Boulevard beer somewhere. Like I'm going to go have a beer and watch this moment. Like this is great. So I literally ran from the union downtown to O street and I'm like looking. So it's like a ghost town. Cause it's, it's like, 10 o'clock on a Sunday in downtown Lincoln. And I'm like searching in, like looking through all these bar windows and like every bar in Lincoln is closed. Every bar is closed. And, and the ones that are open don't have TVs onto the world series. And so I finally find Duffy's, uh, had, had, had it on all four screens and I walked in and I texted like 10 of my friends, like, Hey, like come watch the end of the world. And like, there were no, none of my friends were from Kansas city. So they weren't really Royals fans. So I texted like 10 of my friends, like, Hey, like come to Duffy's, like, I'll buy you a drink. Like we're going to watch the, the Royals. I had one friend show up, which was fine. Cause I wasn't alone. And it was like me, uh, my friend Rob and like three other people in the bar. Uh, and we watched the, them win the world series. And, um, so that was really cool. Cause I, it was a kind of a surreal moment. And then I had to like go back to work, which sucked. Um, but those are probably the, the two Royals memories. And then one, I mean, I remember, I remember the 2008 national championship game extremely well. It's probably sec, probably, probably the second best sporting event I've ever watched. Um, and, uh, I was standing on a chair, uh, when Mario Chalmers made that shot and I jumped off of it and I was, Probably should have rolled my ankle, but I didn't. Mario <laughs> Chalmers haven't heard that name for a long time. Oh yeah, I could name the whole starting lineup. That that team is like the team. I get crap for this too. I know because I've read it uh, online uh, that I view college basketball through like a Kansas basketball lens. Um, but I I think that the 2008 KU team was so perfectly symmetrical and was so good in March that I, that's basically what I've based. Like, okay, this is what you need to be to win a national title basically. And I think, I mean, it's been proven a ton of times. Like I think the Virginia team was pretty similar to it. Um, in a lot of ways, like the Villanova teams, uh, some, like some Duke teams. So anyway, I'll, I'll always remember that too as an eight moment. No. And like, the thing is like, for me, like I'm no, I've never been a KU fan by any means, but just because of the, the kids I grew up with, I could name that starting five too. Like I know, mm-hmm. like all in like all Nebraska the Kansas, kids like, love Kansas, Nebraska kids love Kansas basketball. <laughs> it's absolutely, it's ab- I mean that it, those are the original, the original Jaskers. <laughs> the, 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 those are the, those are the OG Jaskers. And you know we went to we went to high school with a few of those who just said oh, really who just said nah I'll still I'll still root for Husker football but I'm gonna go to school at KU and treat KU basketball like it's a religion right. <laughs> and it's just you know well that was that was what it came down to for me like going to college it literally you know it was it was KU or Nebraska and it was this is kind of stupid to say but it was basically okay 
do I want to go to KU so I can go watch the basketball team? Or do I go to Nebraska because they have a better journalism school and that's what I want to do with my life? And it took like an embarrassing amount of time. To <laughs> um, so, but I think I made the right choice. No, I, that's, that's good to hear. Um, so this, um, so this will be some quick hitting Kansas city questions. Best barbecue in Kansas city is Oklahoma Joe's. It's not called Joe's Kansas city. If you call it Joe's Kansas city, you're wrong. And I'll shame you. Most overrated barbecue in Kansas City is? Arthur Bryant's, maybe? Okay. That's the no, first thing that came to mind. Yeah, Arthur Bryant's. No, I get you. So I took I took him to a Chiefs game this last this past year, mm-hmm. the Ravens game with the no-look pass. So fun game to be at. Mm-hmm. And we... So I, growing up my entire, you know, going down there, whether it was for the Royals, the Chiefs, my family even had a NASCAR phase. Whenever we'd go down to Kansas City, it was, it was Bryant's. Mm-hmm. And a couple times ago, we went down to Royals Cardinals. I'd never had Joe's. And whenever someone said, go to Joe's, the line was around the damn building. Yeah. And luckily enough, we went. This was a cards a cards Royals game on like a Wednesday. We got there at like three in the afternoon on a Wednesday. There is nobody there, and it was immaculate. Oh yeah. But so when we went this past fall, I said I want to try something new, and we went to Q thirty nine. Oh Q thirty nine, God. Oh and my Q, God. And Matt still has had dreams about that meal till this very day. Q thirty nine is incredible. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just a good food city. Kansas City is just a good food city. Matt, you want to get some pop culture in? Some movie questions? Um, I mean, Bigelow was mentioning to me b- b- before this recording that you were also maybe possibly looking forward to the new Tarantino flick. I have been watching, like, I, so while I was waiting for you guys, I was literally, let's see, what, what was this YouTube video I was watching? It's called, oh, it's the, it's the bear juice scene. That's what I was watching. <laughs> I've just been watching, like, Tarantino movie clips on YouTube all week. I mean, I'm, it's just, I'm, I don't, I was thinking about this. I don't, I don't know if I have consumed as much, like, I usually don't try and read a lot or think a lot about what the movie's going to be like before I go to see a movie. I usually try and just shut down. I don't read reviews. Just go in with no expectations. Go in with, yeah, yeah. with Or, or with expectations that I've like put on just like by myself, like not from someone else. Um, and I've not read a whole lot about the movie and the trailers have been really good. Cause I don't really know, like we don't really know much, which is, which is good. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah. But I have, I have injected a lot of Tarantino into my veins this this uh, this week, which is probably why I'm not like sleeping super well. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very excited for it. Um, I got AMC A list, which is a big life hack. Um, three movies a week for free, and I've been seeing a lot of movies, and every movie I've gone to see has had the goddamn trailer in front of oh, me. Oh, really? And every single time. I get more excited. You would think I would have some type of like, oh, I'm tired of seeing this. But no, it's gotten hyped up more and more. So, well, I think when you put a I think when you like, you know, Tarantino's from L.A. And this movie is like a love letter to L.A. That makes in the 60s, too. Right. That so that makes it interesting. Anything with the with the Manson murders is 
obviously going to be talked about and it's interesting. Anything with Margot Robbie in it is worth watching. And then you put Leo and Brad next to each other, and it's like, all right, man. I mean, like, this isn't and, this isn't uh, really fair. Just shut up and take my money. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Um, what do you think? I mean, my personal favorite is the Django KKK scene. Do you have a favorite Tarantino scene other than that one, do you think? I, yeah, I was talking with, um, with my other podcast crew, Clickbait, by the way, if people want to listen to it. Um, earlier today about this i think i've just and this sucks like it's this sucks i hate doing this because it's like the easy answer uh-huh. but i think my favorite scene is the entire jackrabbit slim uh scene with vince vega and mia wallace and pulp fiction so from the moment they like pull up in the parking lot and she does like the square thing and they walk in and the music's playing and you like get the whole, like you get to walk around the whole restaurant, sit down and they don't have anything to talk about. And he orders a $5 shake and like to talk about, you know, Marcel Wallace throwing the guy off the thing. And then they dance and just like, just the whole scene is, that's my, for like every reason. Like that's what made me think like, okay, this is, this is pretty genius. Um, last thing, even though like it feels so weird to me because I've had, this movie on my watch list since it was titled untitled Tarantino project. I've been waiting for like five years and now it's finally here. And it's kind of weird because I'm going to go see it tomorrow opening night. But there are a lot of movies still coming out this year. Is there one or two you're specifically really anticipated to see? Definitely want to see cats. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you couldn't pay me all the money in the world. everybody who's listening has my guarantee i will use one of my a-list free tickets on cats i will see it (laughs) i will see it i don't know man this man's a a, a cinephile this man's a cinephile it's a free movie i couldn't do it i don't know i mean i'm obviously looking forward to um to uh the star wars movie Mm -hmm. um like, I think that I thought Last Jedi was horrible. So I think if J.J. Abrams can save this, then then power to him. I don't think he will. Um, I hope so. I mean, they really screwed it up. I, I mean, don't like, think he will. Like, really bad. Um, yeah. I don't know. What I about mean, um, Joker? I See, I was going to say Joker, but I'm also just so worried about that movie. Because, like, I don't know. I think Joaquin Phoenix will be pretty good, but... For whatever reason, ever since Heath Ledger, we just have to, like, try and redo that. And Jared Leto's Joker was so weird and in a really, like, thuggish, weird, interesting way that, like, I'm just sick of it. And a then, gangster. Like, not, yeah, not only did we have that, we had, like, that that Joker. And then they remade The Killing Game into, like, an animated movie, which was really good. Kind of weird at the beginning, but good. And so that was another, like, Mark Hamill Joker. And so now... I don't love the idea that they're just going to like create an origin story about this person who part of his attraction is that he doesn't have an origin story. Kind of like justify him a little bit. Yeah. Like I just, I, I, I don't want, like, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want one story. That's like, well, this is the Joker. Cause I think, I think it, there's so many different versions of him that one story doesn't explain all of them. So I'm kind of worried about that. Um, I think I, I think I get to see Frozen 2 on 
on uh, Thanksgiving. So, so that's great. <laughs> um, Big time. But, I mean, I think in general, Star Wars is probably the one at the top of my list. And then just, you know, in a month or two, whatever seems to be hot for the Oscars. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I don't... This is a weird Oscars year because there's basically nothing that's come out in the last seven months that i would consider like okay well this is put this on the list other than like maybe us but that's just kind of like maybe i don't know it wasn't as good as get out but jordan peele is big enough that he could maybe just get one um but i don't know i don't know it's kind of a weird movie year because we haven't had like a really i don't know other than like endgame there's not been one i can think of that's like well this is the movie that came out that you know people will remember from 2019 you know so I'm going to give you two recommendations. One, there's a movie in theaters right now called Art of Self-Defense. I don't know if you saw it yet. Uh-uh. I would definitely go see that. It's it's not laugh out loud funny, but mm-hmm. every scene has a quirk to it. I just have a feeling if it was more popular, it would be really su- successful. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. But then otherwise, coming out in October, have you ever heard of Jojo Rabbit? I don't think so, huh? huh so Taika Waititi, who did um, uh, What We Do in the Shadows Ragnarok. and Thor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> is directing a movie about a boy in Hitler's army. And, mm-hmm. it's, and Taika is Hitler in the movie. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it looks hilarious. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that one, because okay. I just have a feeling that one's going to be really interesting to see unfold. I, I will I will write those down. <laughs> I I would trust this man's recommendations. I on I would trust this man's recommendations. I'm not just saying it as a, his because he's my co-host and my friend. My basic simple ass is looking forward to Zombie Land Two. And, <laughs> and the, oh, you have to the, look forward to Zombie and oh, yeah. and the and the and the car movie with Matt Damon and Christian Bale in it. Looking forward to <laughs> oh, that. Oh yeah, Ford vs Ferrari or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that. That's my basic simple movie take for the day. And cats, but but and cats and cats. But so we've touched on just about everything, Chris. I really appreciate you doing this. You're a good dude. Uh, the people out there need to buy a paper. They need uh, what's the what's the on, the sports online subscription? It's like what ninety nine cents for the first month, right? Yeah, ninety nine cents for what? the first month, and then I think right now, at least there was a deal for a while with Dirk series that it was uh, it was three five dollars for three months. Um, so that gets you through. I think it gets you through the Ohio State week now, um, and maybe even the week after that too. Um, so God, that yeah. week that week's gonna be something else i was thinking about this today and this is you know whatever but i was thinking about this today that if nebraska's 4-0 going into that game that might become the second most important game of the decade behind the big 10 championship 2012 Uh, right i mean yeah i mean i i no you're not you're not crazy i agree because like i mean like you know like the running joke is, you know, it's going to be college game day. It's going to be blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Listen to Happer show. You know, they'll play coming to your city every damn time they mention mm-hmm. that game. They're like, oh, what'd you say? And then it's <laughs> just that, that, I mean, that's that. And I've, I've even like began thinking recently about like that week, just like with the basketball thing too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like the bas- the basketball deal the night before, I mean, this city could like, 
go up in flames. Like it genuinely, like it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, and it's a hell of a time to be a college kid. It's also a hell of a time to be on the Nebraska beat. <laughs> yeah. and, um, I was gonna say as you were talking about that, I was like, I might just like stay in Lincoln uh, that whole weekend and just write the entire time and not sleep and or eat, just because it's gonna be. <laughs> Like just fascinating, just gonna pure be so fascinating. adrenaline, pure adrenaline, yeah, all week. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm just waiting to hear who this musical guest is gonna be for the basketball deal. I've had all sorts of people try and ask me if I know, and I'm like, no, nope, I'm not employed there anymore. I have no idea. Twice, <laughs> and... twice when I was in college, Big Sean came to campus, and so that's my odds-on favorite. Um, obviously, Lil Nas X is like who, who they want probably. Um, that will never happen. So it's going to be somebody in the middle. That's my guess. Someone in between Big Sean and Lil Nas X. Write it down for those at home. But thanks again for coming on, Chris. We really appreciate you, man. Uh, buy a paper to those people at home. Yeah. Thanks, thank- Chris. Yeah, this is really fun. I, I really appreciate it. And I this is you guys are good dudes, and this is fun. So anytime you anytime you need any any opinions about anything i i mean you've got film school over there and he knows more about movies than i do so like <laughs> if you need, if you need thoughts on like you know deshaun burke's jump shot then then i can come as of assistance but other than that you're covered i wouldn't say no more but i definitely have more time <laughs> we might have, yeah he's got more time to think about this kind of thing <laughs> yeah he's he's in his own little world you've got you've got a job on top of all that but uh possible future recurring guest chris Hetty. Thanks again, man. Yeah, no problem. Smashed it. That's what makes me such a great athlete. I make it look so fucking easy. It's like that guy's not moving. Yeah, he is. He's fucking flying. That's what they said about Eric Dickerson. That interview with Chris Hetty is brought to you by no one because we don't have sponsors. But if for some reason you'd be interested in sponsoring this little podcast that could, uh, shoot us a DM or a tweet on Twitter at Let's Boogie Pod. Uh, thanks again to Chris. Uh, buy a paper, read the paper, um, support journalism. Uh, he will. He said he was interested in maybe coming on to be a recurring guest in the fall or in the winter to talk Husker football or Husker basketball, and that would be pretty damn cool. I think that would be uh, be good, and I hope you, we hope you enjoy it hearing us uh, just shoot the stuff with him for a little bit. Um, I heard a movie came out this week, this past week. Uh, something about Hollywood and Tarantino, but I just went to see it on a whim, you know, didn't really know much about it. <laughs> Are you sure? I mean, I, I, I mean, I think you, you, you being the cinephile you are, Matt Larson is a bona fide cinephile, uh, <laughs> that, um, it had been on your IMDb watch list for a couple years. No, it was a lot of, a lot of anticipation going into once upon a time in Hollywood, the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. So, uh, yeah, I saw it, and I was really disappointed. And then I went to see it again, like two days ago, and it's the best movie of the year, and I think I would put it, I'll have to see it a third time, but right now I think it's on my rankings as Django's his best movie to me, and then Hollywood's right at, right underneath it. Yeah. And then Pulp and then Inglourious It takes a hat. Yeah, I don't know. I just really, as like a film person, what I really appreciated about it was um, 
the fact that Tarantino's gotten to the point in his career where he can literally just make a movie about the time period that he loves with amazing actors. Like, I mean, it was literally a love letter to when he grew up. Yeah. He's a, he's a Los Angeles boy, he's a Cali kid, and it was a love letter to when he grew up. And yeah. And it was, it was visually, I, I mean, it was no, like, you know, like, when I say visually stunning, people are going to think like, oh, man, you mean like Blade Runner? No, I don't I don't mean like that. I just mean it looked good. Like, well, it just looked – It. I mean, I'm, I can't use all the film, film school cinematic knowledge terms that you can, but, yeah, Margot Robbie looked damn good, but the rest of the movie looked pretty good too. Um, my biggest, like – I didn't think the cinematography was anything super interesting – but the production value on this was insane. They closed entire streets off to make it look like 1969, and they achieved it to a level where if it doesn't win the Oscar for uh, best, like, I think there's an Oscar for production design. But, I I mean, just, just the shots of Brad Pitt driving the car and just, like, every block looks so real. Oh yeah, or or Sharon, or Margot Robbie like walking like walking down the street and like seeing her name on the marquee at the movie theater. That's why a lot like, of people are calling a lot of the driving and walking and just a lot of the scenes are pointless. And I don't necessarily agree with that because like it's Tarantino just showing what he can do with his p- production team. And it's really cool because I've never been more immersed in a different time period in a movie. Because cause they didn't make it like a gloss over everything 60s. They made everything very in the background, you know. Spoilers, duh. Um, spoiler warning, duh. In a way, like, yeah, the ending did come out of nowhere. But, like, I, I don't know. When they introduced, when Brad Pitt first goes home to his his little trailer, and he inter and you see his interactions with that dog, I didn't think you know the dog's gonna kill people. Yeah, the dog's gonna viciously massacre people. But I thought, I mean, I was like, this dog might not be more than just a dog. And like, see, and that's why <laughs> my like, I love the ending so much because. Um, it's the whole movie is Tarantino's most like restrained movie in terms of violence and oh, I'd agree. awful, like horrendously like offensive dialogue. Yeah. But, um, aside from, aside from, uh, I forget if it was Brad Pitt or Leo saying, don't cry in front of the Mexicans. So that was yeah. about as, as bad as it got. Yeah. But like <laughs> the reason I love the ending so much was because it was the most realistic violence that tarantino has done you know the scene in django at the end of django this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it where he shoots uh the the slave owner and she literally flies through the room yeah but in this movie a dog just bites uh some balls and he and brad pitt smashes heads in i mean you could say that the flamethrower was a bit much but at the end of the day i mean that was just a that was just a punchline that was two hours and 30 minutes of buildup. You know, smoke. I I think Brad Pitt stole the show. Yeah. To me, I thought it was his, 
his his whole i mean he stole the show from me but i really enjoyed it uh matt gave the movie a five out of five on what's that new fancy app you like using letterboxd letterboxd he gave it a gave it a five out of five once upon a time in hollywood uh very worth uh worth the price of admission um Um, the other thing that is worth the price i've only rated i think three movies five out of five this year and i've seen quite a few uh okay i've rated four four things five out of five uh avengers endgame chernobyl and aziz's stand-up special which we also should probably touch on yeah we should probably touch on that so aziz came out with probably a top 10 comedy special maybe top five i mean it's i feel like if every person in the world watched it it would just be a better place because i agree i i i've loved aziz for a long time i've loved his stand-up i've loved him just being in random movies just his random cameos Fall, getting kicked into a hole and this is the end yeah you know just just the i tried to save disease but yeah like, i you know i've and i just i was not expecting like i was just i just thought i mean i i thought very wrong i thought it was gonna be one big like apology yeah and like when he, i heard that when i heard that he was putting out a new a new stand-up deal i'm like this is just gonna be one big apology this isn't going to be worth Jack squat. And he, he, he does apologize kind of in the first couple minutes, but I think it was the best way he could have handled it because at the end of the day, he really didn't do much. It was more of a misunderstanding than anything else. But I, I don't know. Um, with all the comedy coming out about, you know, the modern culture of people getting too offended by stuff, I've never seen it done better than this stand-up special with him just picking apart pretty much anyone. Just a brown man in a Metallica t-shirt not holding back, like, yeah. on any on anyone. And yeah. it was, I, it's... And there were a couple moments that were really profound. It reminded me a lot of uh, Bo Burnham's Make Happy, just because, like, it was funny overall, but there were still some moments that really made you think about stuff, and... Those are my favorite kind of specials. So yeah, um, I if, I agree wholeheartedly. If, if you have a chance, go check that out. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's two of the best things you're going to see this year. No, I agree. I agree with everything you said there. Uh, so let's transition into some segments. Uh, we're going to say that these segments can go, they're not just going to be of the week. We've been gone for a while, so they can apply to... They're going to be our segments for the whole summer. So uh, our moods of the summer, our who's got moxie of the summer. But let's start off with some moods. Oh, oh, botched. Oh, I botched that one. Oh, that's a botched job. Oh. That's bleeding. I need some trash to plug up the cut. Matthew, lead us off. Um, well, my millennial mood is going to be a big yikes to... Uh, Donald Trump recently tweeted about um, a certain ASAP Rocky, and he said to quote, uh, or not not verbatim, but it was a Rocky week. Get home ASAP, ASAP. And I think the entire I think the entire nation collectively rolled its eyes because 
I mean, that whole situation's just weird to begin with, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, just picturing Kanye West calling President Donald Trump on the phone and saying, we need to get ASAP Rocky out of Swedish jail. <laughs> like, if you said, if you told someone in, like, 2012 that that was, like, something, they'd say, like, I want to smoke whatever you're smoking, dude. Like, that sounds like quite a trip. Like, yeah. just, like, just, like... Oh, what what warped reality are we living in? <laughs> a reality where Donald Trump makes puns on Twitter and a reality where a 70-year-old man <laughs> his favorite thing is Twitter <laughs> and he also happens to be president of the United States. Yeah. And he's not just any 70-year-old man. He's a guy who used to fire people on TV. But anyway, <laughs> you got any other ones? Uh, not really. So my, uh, be, my you hate to see it of the week goes out to Matt and I's favorite MLS franchise, the Colorado Rapids. So the Colorado Rapids made the news this week because they had to cancel a fireworks show. They didn't just cancel the fireworks show because, you know, the fireworks got lost in China it is or two, because it was raining. It is 2019. They canceled the fireworks show and because they canceled the fireworks of the show plague. Because of the plague. And <laughs> the black plague? It is because, I believe, it's going on in, a, it's in Commerce City, which is close to you. You should be worried. And <laughs> let's. it said... It has been recommended that the post-game fireworks show be canceled due to the confirmed presence of plague-infested fleas affecting prairie dog colonies in the areas surrounding Dick's Sporting Good Park. So, yeah, the plague is back. That uh, that would be a, a who's back. It's the Black Who's plague. back of the week, the plague. But, um, yeah, that is, that's something... And then also, uh, yeah. let's see. I had I had another one. I was trying to. Oh, my uh, big oof goes to uh, <laughs> the NC State football player who showed up to training camp driving a Rolls Royce because college kids don't drive Rolls Royces. And NC State's athletic department is already under a microscope because <laughs> of the basketball bribery scandal. So the last thing they need is a football player showing up in a Rolls Royce. So for the movie segment this week. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the weirdest way to end the movie. Oh, my God. With the, a brain-coming electricity. Uh, I'm going to be giving you my top ten of the year so far. Um, a couple of these are still in theaters, so you might want to go check them out. But uh, at number ten, there's a movie on Amazon Prime called Under the Silver Lake. Um, you take acid while you're watching this movie, and you might like want to kill yourself because your because your brain might be completely messed up. Uh, it is the most convoluted thing I've ever seen. And like that's saying something because I've seen a few David Lynch movies, and if anybody knows <laughs> David Lynch, he's um, he's he, he's not the most uh, mainstream filmmaker. <laughs> he um, uh, he's a little off the beaten path. Yeah, but then number nine, uh, I really enjoyed Booksmart. Um, 
And then I recently saw The Farewell, which I put at my number eight spot. Um, but then seven is John Wick Chapter 3, a, a hell of an action movie. We saw that together. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's it's incredible choreography, and Keanu is Keanu, I mean, of yeah, course. The fight, the fight choreography in that movie is next level to yeah. me um just when you i mean i thought like i went in thinking like all right it's gonna be a trilogy then it's done nope they set up for a fourth movie yeah. it could be even more even more nuts <laughs> yeah and then number six is the art of self-defense which might still be in a theater near you uh you told chris about that movie <gasps> yeah it's uh it's one of the weirdest like quirky comedies i've seen in a long time but it's it's just a really good time if you enjoy just offbeat humor, which that's right up my alley. Number five, Toy Story 4. I didn't think they could do it. They did it. It's really great to see. Um, I cried man tears at the end, I'll admit. Yeah, it it, it wasn't tears. it wasn't so much sad. It was just like the f- It wasn't like Toy Story 4 sad. It was like feel good sad. Well, it was like thinking about growing up with all these characters and then that ending is just like, damn, I'm old. That's what yeah, got me more than anything I, else. I agree with that. I agree. Uh, number four would be Aziz's special. Three was the Chernobyl series on HBO. Um, two was Avengers Endgame, of course. I mean, it's the it's probably the most popular movie of all time at this point. It's definitely the highest grossing. That's Moxie. They made they made sure of that. Yeah. Shout out to Feige. Made sure of that. And then number one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, although that's a controversial choice just because a lot of people probably won't agree with that, but it's my favorite, so. I really enjoyed Rocket Man. Saw that earlier in the summer. I didn't see that one. Uh the sound uh if even if you I mean I know Matt, you're not a big Elton John guy. But if, I think even if you're not a fan of Elton John, Taron Edgerton and the soundtrack make it worth it. Um, pretty good flick. I think Taron Edgerton will get a lot of recognition come award season. And uh, I saw one other movie, and now it's escaping me. Was uh, it yesterday? And absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, so we'll end, we will end on some moxie. You got some moxie? You know what you got, Jay? You got moxie. Um, I mean, I thought the, uh, the fleshlight, the pocket pussy, that was a four loco can. is <laughs> 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 still one of my favorite things I've seen. Um... I mean, yeah, you you got to be some type of hype hype beast to uh, to to buy a pocket pussy with a four local can on the outside. But on a real note, some huge moxie would be go check out um, iDub's channel on YouTube. He recently did a documentary about airsoft fatty, who's a guy from Michigan who's like ob- like ridiculously obese and makes videos of him and his friends playing star Wars (laughs) and he made a documentary about him. And it's one of the best things I've ever seen on YouTube because he's like white trash as fuck. And it's just really enjoyable. (laughs) No, that's, that's not bad. I've got a, I've got a few 
yes, he's a human meme, but I'm gonna give Ninja some moxie because he got just got paid a lot of money to leave Twitch and go stream on Mixer. Uh, I we really think Fortnite should have been dead by now. Somehow it's not. Uh, people are still making way too much money. Um, I'm also gonna give some moxie to Bill Murray because he was in Omaha this week. He said he, his flight got diverted or canceled or something, so he just wound up in Omaha, had ice cream with Warren Buffett, and went to a Wu-Tang Clan concert. <laughs> so that that man's got moxie. Did and, he go to E-Creamery? Uh, Ted and Wally's downtown. Oh, okay. Ted and Wally's downtown. Um, and then also moxie to one of my favorite football players growing up, Tony Gonzalez, because he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, gave a pretty good speech, and uh, yeah, football season is very soon, and I'm amped up about it. It's going to be great. So Yep, I agree. So that wraps up season premiere, episode one. Um, we know the interview was long, but we thought it was really good, and then we just wanted to share with you what we've been up to a little bit. Uh, Chris will be back soon. We'll have the full gang back together and hopefully we'll return to regularly scheduled programming. Uh, if you're a first time listener, feel free to give us a condescendingly sarcastic review on Apple podcasts. Maybe subscribe, stick around, you know, could, uh, you know, buy low, sell high. We're a great penny stock. Stick around with us. Have some faith. We'll grow. But, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for coming by. Be sure to shine your shoes. And wear sunscreen. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! Fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. They're gonna need to send in the